It's time to dive into the latest news and updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Here we go, Las Vegas, at 12 noon Pacific time. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. I'm Dan Duvo with Mike McKenna as the Golden Knights take on the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup semifinals. We'll take you right through 1 o'clock today. Talking all things Golden Knights, a couple of interesting portions of the program. We'll, of course, review the Golden Knights' victory from last night. We'll hear from defenseman Nick Holden live. We'll check in with head coach Pete DeBoer and maybe listen to some of the action, the replays from last night's game. There were some highlights, as you may have heard. Vegas victorious against the Canadians 4-1. to Mike McKenna, good afternoon, and how are you? I'm fantastic. And you know, Dan, you could have just said you wanted to hear your own call. It would have been fine. Right, Everybody no, would have right. understood uh, that uh-huh. it's it's self-aggrandizement. But no, I, <laughs> I tell you what, I actually I actually listened to a little bit last night while I was there. And you're a master, Dan. But yeah, it was a very exciting game, especially for VGK fans last night. And we have plenty to talk about. So an exciting day here at nighttime at noon. We sure do. And unlike the first two rounds where the Knights had series deficits, Lost game one against Minnesota. Lost games one and two against Colorado. They get a first game lead. They led one nothing. They hold on and take game one of the semifinals. Well, we'll go through last night's game. And I chatted with Pete DeBoer earlier today in preparation for tomorrow's contest. And just the, the thing that struck me, uh, talking with a lot of people, you know, even Gary Bettman, who was at the game last night, chatted with him on our pregame show before the broadcast. It was the first time you saw the Canadians in 513 days. It's the first games between non-division opponents since all the way back in last March. Now, Islanders-Tampa, it didn't really feel too strange because they normally play each other mm-hmm. a lot. Saw them in the playoffs last year, the Eastern Conference semifinals, uh, the Eastern Conference finals. and uh, But Montreal and Vegas had played a grand total of six games in history. So it was just... Bizarre. It was almost like you were playing a league from another country. And obviously, I know Canada's another country, folks. But you know what I mean? It's like, do you remember the American League All-Stars played a team? I think it was, uh, which team was it? Where they had the American Hockey League All-Stars play a team from Sweden. I think it was Lexans, maybe. It was one of those clubs from over there. It was one of those that I had a yep. hard time pronouncing. That's mm-hmm. what I recall. But it, it just was like, these are uniforms we haven't seen. These are players who we haven't seen. And I just in preparation for the game, had been going through the list of who is on Montreal's roster when the Knights and the Canadians last met, which was January 18th, 2020. By the way, a shootout win for Montreal at the Bell Center. It was Pete DeBoer's second game as the head coach of the Golden Knights. That team had Nick Cousins, who scored in that game, by the way, Nick Cousins had yet to be traded to the Golden Knights. He has since come to Vegas, participated in an entire postseason, signed with Nashville, and played a postseason for the Predators. Ilya Kovalchuk was on that Montreal Canadiens <laughs> team. Like, I could go on and on. Well, And obviously Vegas has changed too, but we just haven't been tracking the Canadiens. So it was just bizarre to, to see a team that we haven't seen in so long, and it is so different. I mean, they've even got a different head coach than the last time Vegas saw them. They have a lot of turnover, and they have the youngest club in the yeah. league at this point. And yeah. now that's not to say they don't still have their veteran players. They've got Shea Weber. They, they've got Stahl. They've got Corey Perry. But it's been filled in with all these piece of, pieces of young talent, right? 
And, you know, GM Mark Bergevin made some moves this summer, too. He brings in Josh Anderson. Uh, Corey Perry was one of those signings. Jake Allen comes in to give so ancillary support to Carey Price. And, you know, you're seeing the benefits now in the league of having, a, frankly, expensive goaltending. Three of the four teams that are left have are in the top five in goalie salaries. But Montreal did. They changed a lot of things. They also brought in Edmondson, a fa- former Stanley Cup winner. They brought experience into the room to, to, to backfill these young players. But look who's carrying them now, right? Caulfield, young talent, Kakaniemi. But Tyler Toffoli, who we know, who Golden Knights fans know from last year in the bubble of Vancouver. Corey Perry from Dallas last year. So there is some familiarity. They just weren't players that were on the Canadians sure. last season. Right, and then you throw in the layer of Nick Suzuki, who was a Golden Knights draft choice back in yep. 2017. He's now in his third year with the Canadians. Like, he was just here. Yeah, you have to blink. <laughs> And realize he's been gone for that long. And that's, of course, the trade. Max Patch already coming to Vegas. Tomash Tatar, Nick Suzuki, and a draft pick to Montreal. Tatar, a healthy scratch, by the way. Pretty good regular season for the Canadians this year. But at the current time, he's found himself on the outs. And even when he was with Vegas a couple years back, Knights had 20 playoff games. He only played in eight of them. It just didn't quite click for Tatar in the postseason, having come over from the Detroit Red Wings. Also, They've got Jonathan Drouin unavailable. He's without uh, a spot on the roster because of a personal absence. So those are a couple of guys you would have thought, right, if you had gone into this season, Tomas Tatar, Jonathan Drouin. Those would be some guys you would think that this Montreal team would rely upon, yet they're not in the lineup for different reasons. But that's not what's driving this team right now. Especially because Tatar had such a good season last year. Yes. He was phenomenal for the Canadians. Looked like an outstanding signing. 22 goals, 61 points. And that's why Dan's the best in the business, folks. His note card's ready to rock there. But he was. Tatar was outstanding. And then this year, inconsistency. He didn't find the back of the net often enough. He did it in spurts. There'd be weeks where he'd just disappear. And the team in the middle of the season for the Canadians lost their way. They weren't winning. They needed something. They needed a push. Well, what happens? Head coach, gone. Claude Julien, see you later. Okay, let's bring Veteran, accomplished coach in Claude Julien. Stanley Cup winner. So, you know, new coach comes in who's the assistant. And take over. It took them a while to find their identity again. But you talk to people in Montreal – it's really been this youth movement. It's yeah. been Suzuki and Caulfield and Kakaniemi that have brought Romanov on defense, that have started to give this team some juice, some life, and make the Canadians into a team that prior to last night had won seven straight postseason games in a row. And stunning the Maple Leafs. We talk about winning seven straight. Most recently, you sweep the Winnipeg Jets. That in and of itself impressive because Montreal had come off a seven-game series Winnipeg, relatively easy time with the Edmonton Oilers in the first round. So you're thinking, just like the Knights, seven-game series against Minnesota, rough start against Colorado with the short turnaround. Not the case. They come off winning three straight against Toronto, notably Game 7. Tyler Toffoli, the overtime winner there in the clincher against Winnipeg. You've got an impressive run here, seven straight. And not only that, they hadn't trailed for over 400 minutes. They were close to a league record. Yes, yes. You I go mean, back to the 1960 Blackhawks. Yeah, I mean, I think within like 30 minutes or so, yeah. it was a long run. You look at that. Oh, first, pardon me. The 1960 Canadians, it was the 92 Blackhawks whom they passed in uh, going over 400 minutes without trailing. Over 400 incredible. consecutive minutes without trailing in the postseason. So you look at their locker room, and the Canadians are probably going, okay, we were due for that. A little bit of a correction. You don't want that to happen. They're going to be focused and hungry in game two, for sure. 
But you look at that first series against Toronto, and to me, my biggest takeaway wasn't that they were down 3-1. to one. It's that they won those games in overtime, a yes. multitude of games. And if you talk to any player that's been on a long playoff run, if you're successful, you win those OT games. You learn how to come through in difficult scenarios, how to handle pressure. That's a team over there in the Canadians that's pretty battle-hardened already two rounds in. They've been in high-pressure situations. That's why you look at them being able to bounce back. They played heavy last night. They out-hit the Vegas Golden Knights. Part of that's because they were chasing the puck around. But that's a team that's willing to play. And with that young of a club, to see them try to play that heavy, to try to keep up with that with Vegas, it shows that they're ready to play the rest of the series. You're listening to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. I'm Dan Duva with Mike McKenna. Coming up in just about 10 minutes, we'll be joined live by Golden Knights defenseman Nick Holden, who scored not his first but his second goal of the postseason. Second in just a few games. Holden had uh, six career playoff goals going into the game. Now he's got seven. And his first couple as a member of the Golden Knights. You've got to go back to early in his career, Colorado and Boston, when uh, he had put up some postseason points. But here he is, two assists all year, six points, now seven in this postseason with two goals, five assists for Nick Holden, who's appeared in 11 out of 14 games. So Nick Holden will join us live. We'll also hear some comments from Pete DeBoer. We'll talk about the goaltending matchup, Carey Price against Marc-Andre Fleury, a couple of elder statesman, shall we say, 33-year-old Carey Price. He'll turn 34 in August. Marc-Andre Fleury, 36 years old, turns 37 in November. Early draft picks, of course. Fleury first overall in 03. Carey Price fifth overall in 05. Mike McKenna, the goaltender expert. He'll put on that goaltending guru cap. We'll dig into all the goaltending and see how that conversation shakes out. But before we hear from Nick Holden live in just a few minutes, Mike, I want to talk about what the Knights have done from the blue line. And normally we talk about the blue line and we're talking about the sort of shutdown effort, limiting Nathan McKinnon, the avalanche and all that. But last night, for the first time in this postseason, for any club, the Golden Knights got three goals from three different defensemen. And the first one sounded like this at 9.15 of the first period. From the draw, they score! It's a shot from Theodore out high. Vegas strikes first. First goal of the playoffs. It might have been tipped in front, we'll see. But Theodore ripped it from out high. Vegas takes a 1-0 lead. It was not tipped. It was Theodore from McNabb and Stevenson. Left circle draw. Stevenson won the faceoff. Puck came out to the left point. McNabb a quick touch to the middle. Theodore fired it home. Shea's first goal of the Stanley Cup playoffs. He went on to get an assist on the Knights' second goal, Alec Martinez, in the second period. But now four points in the last two games for Theodore. And I talked with Shea on the pregame show, Mike, and he pointed out that, hey, last summer there were lots of points. He was uh, a horse offensively for Vegas. There was no Petrangelo at the time, of course. And in the last series against Colorado, because of his speed, he was a guy who could keep up with the Nathan McKinnons that the Avalanche threw out there. But this is a different series. You know, Hearing bits and pieces from coaches and then from Shea himself, you wonder if the two assists in game six, and I'll go and an assist in game number one of this series, maybe this is a different kind of series for Shea than we had seen in the previous round. I think it will be. It'll be more similar. This is kind of in between the Minnesota and Colorado series to me in terms of how to play against them. And 
I believe, and I think this is true for a lot of the Ds, that they will have more space to move, more space to get around in the offensive zone because they're not going to be chasing the Colorado players who were so fast at times. This gives Theodore the ability to get into the zone with the puck on his stick. It's his greatest strength, but also getting pucks through. He's done that for his whole career. Last night, his goal was purely get it on and off the stick as quick as you can. Got great help from Mark Stone in the front of the net. But Shea Theodore had the puck on his stick more than I've seen in a long time last night. And he was carrying it. He had confidence. His feet were going. He had that killer crossover at the blue line a couple times. And you can just tell when he's feeling it. And it also helps when you got good help out there. Yeah. Okay? Braden McNabb, been a huge addition coming back into the lineup for the team. He scares people in the neutral zone. And that creates turnovers. It gets the puck onto Shea Theodore's stick. And you look at the pass over to Martinez on that play. The pump fake, what a fake. from Shea Theodore. Now, we found out later Alec Martinez was calling for that puck. But Shea Theodore was coming down Broadway with the backswing tickling the scoreboard. Carey Price is drifting forward. You don't make that play unless you're confident because the easy play is to just hammer that thing on the net and hope your shot goes in. You hear your teammate, you sell that fake so hard, kick it over and assist. I just think that confidence means so much for these guys. Maybe and we can take it. a listen to that. And uh, Mike, this is the second goal that the Knights scored. Vegas had a one nothing lead after one. And in the opening minutes of period two, again, here is the Knights' second goal. This coming, as you described, Shea Theodore setting up Alec Martinez. Here's goal number two. And they come at even strength. Left side, Carlson towards Smith. Extra pass, Queens in front. Theodore fakes, right wing shot. They score! Martinez! 2 nothing Vegas! Well, I hope the clip was going to continue because what I said afterwards, right after it cut off, there well, was... let's relive it. Go well, right the, ahead. The, the, well, what, what I said afterwards was sweet dish because <laughs> that's what it was. And you're not talking about Pyrex or old China. <laughs> no. You mean the pass, right, I, Dan? I meant the pass. I mean, you watch especially the reverse angle from behind the goal. You can see Shea's face, essentially what Carey Price or the defenders would have been looking at. From the press box, we see the back of his head. But to then see the face, it only added to the depth of the fake, and then hammered home by Martinez to make it a 2 nothing Vegas lead. Uh, then I mentioned Yanmark and holding the other two goals, Vegas with a 4-1 to victory. The only blemish, Cole Caulfield, his first playoff goal, rookie out of Wisconsin. That goal sandwiched in the middle of the second period. 4-1 to the final, and the Knights win the game 4-1, to lead the series 1-zip. I want to talk a little bit about Shea Theodore, but we also have got to talk about Nick Holden. And Nick is going to join us when we come back. You're listening to Nighttime at Noon, Dan Duva with Mike McKenna on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Spins off a check. That elbow from Weber came up hot. Holden again, shoots, score! On the left side, Nick Holden pinched in below the dot. He found an opening from a sharp angle, left wing side. Nick Holden with two goals in as many games. Vegas has a three-goal lead. 4-1 nights with 10 minutes to play. Nick Holden with the marker in the contest last night. And Nick with two goals in the playoffs, seven points in 11 games. And what do you know? Nick Holden is on the line right now. Nick Danduva, Mike McKenna, how's it going? Dan? You got us, Nick. Can you hear us Nick now? Nick Holden. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. Great. Did, did you hear the goal and everything? We had a whole lead-up and all that. 
Oh, yeah, no, I heard it all, yeah. <laughs> so you were just celebrating around the living room again, right? There was, you go. Okay. Yeah, I was just running in circles, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's that's fantastic. We appreciate it, as I was, clearly, as, as you heard. Uh, wow. So uh, congratulations on, on the win and the goal and everything last night. But we were talking about it before you came on. And, and to have three different defensemen score goals in the game last night, you guys have as many goals as anybody in the playoffs here. What does that tell you about the way your team's going? Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that we've tried to focus on uh, throughout the year is, is making sure that the defense are part of our offense. And um, I think throughout the playoffs here, our, our team's done a good job uh, scoring from, from everywhere with everyone. And so uh, it's nice to see that uh, kind of the hard work that we've put in all year, uh, we're putting ourselves in opportunities to, to score goals and uh, we're, we're capitalizing on those chances. Something that seems pretty noticeable, Nick, is that you've generated a lot of goals from quick strike opportunities. And in your game especially, getting pucks to the net, they seem to find a way. It's a, is it a skill that you have just getting to open areas, getting it to the net? And is that something that the team is really focused on, right off of faceoffs, getting pucks through, trying to catch the other team before they're able to set up defensively in their zone? Yeah, I think that's something uh, since Pete's been here. Is something that he's wanted the, the D to do is if we get pucks up top or even off of uh, draws, try and get pucks back to the net as, as kind of fast as possible. Try and uh, make sure the, the forwards and the D uh, that are defending don't have an opportunity to get in our lanes. And so, uh, obviously, uh, my goal against Colorado, I just shot it as fast as I could. And I don't know, uh, Smitty did a great job selling that he had reversed it and Grubauer wasn't watching, but. Uh, I guess that's kind of the, the mentality there is, is getting pucks back to the net and our forwards get there uh, to create some havoc. I want to ask you about playing with a couple different D partners. You've spent time this season with Shea Theodore. You've spent time with Zach Whitecloud. One's right-handed. One's left-handed. One loves to rush the puck. One's a little bit more defensive-oriented, a little more stay-at-home. What's the difference between playing with those two? Do you have to adapt your game at all, or is it seamless uh, between them? Yeah, no, I don't think I, I need to adapt my game. Um, over the last few years, um, I've played uh, chunks of seasons uh, with each of those guys. So I know their games and they know mine. And so uh, if we're put together, uh, we do a good job reading off each other. But, yeah, like you said, Theo likes to jump up a little bit more. And uh, on the blue line, uh, he's, he's very good at creating uh, lanes and getting shots and uh, – opportunities breaking the puck out he skates really well and so uh when me, me, me and zach are together we make sure we're using each other and lots of talking and zach's really good at uh moving pucks up and, and making sure he's, he's making good hard plays so um they're both really gr great players and great partners to uh to play with uh, we heard the call of the goal that you scored from last night and i said nick holden tries again because you had had a chance just seconds earlier what can you take us through that play and everything that happened? Smith and Carlson got the assist, but what happened on that play? Yeah, I mean, I, I think our forwards, and this is something that our team's been doing really well in the playoffs, is, is making sure that we get pucks back uh, after initial shots and holding on to pucks, not just throwing them away or looking for blind plays to the middle. And I think that's what we did. We took the puck, held on to it in, in the far corner, and then uh, Smitty got it and Obviously, I saw an opening and started moving down, and he made a terrific play to me and um, was able to put it in the back of the net. When you think about the way things have unfolded for you, Nick, I mean, it's hard not to 
really, I mean, your name pops off my score sheet here. You got seven points at 11 games. What's gotten into you? Yeah, you know what? I, I haven't done anything much different than I, I normally do. I thought it was the mustache. Uh, the, game of hockey, the, the game of hockey is a, a funny game. Sometimes uh, uh, pucks just find their way in or uh, you start getting points, uh, and that's all that's happening right now. Uh, I try and bring kind of the same consistent game every game, and uh, sometimes you get those bounces, sometimes you get those plays that go in, and um, that's what's happening right now. And so obviously it's a, a great time of year to be <laughs> – kind of getting those those bounces and those breaks, but um, I'll just continue to, to try and keep that uh, consistent game, and uh, hopefully they keep going in. Well, Dan touched on something about the aesthetics that I think are just so important to confidence as a human being, and uh, we, have, we have somebody on Twitter, Josh, at VGKHSK, big fan, asked if the playoff stash is your secret weapon if it has magical offensive powers. <laughs> Jeez. So, I mean, I I, we, we saw it you have to. this last year in the bubble. It looked phenomenal, but now we're out of the bubble. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, over my career, I've tried different uh, playoff facial hair. <laughs> and uh, last year, uh, went with the mustache. This year, went with the mustache again, but added a little bit of the flavor saver underneath the, my bottom lip there. And, um I don't know. It must, there must be some magic in the facial hair right now because uh, it's getting it done. Some kind of magic. Wow. So, <laughs> so just to be clear here, Nick, for the people who are inquiring on the Internet, that this is the first time that you've gone with this specific facial hair design? That's right. Yeah, oh, early okay. on I tried the whole beard and everything, and I don't grow great beards. So did that in Colorado. New York, I tried the goatee and the mustache. That didn't work for me. Uh Last year went with just a mustache. Obviously, didn't work, and this year just had to add a little bit, uh, a little bit more. And so far, so good. All right. So clearly, you're at the top of the list when it comes to most impressive Golden Knights facial hair for the postseason. Who who's after you on the list? <laughs> I don't know if I got most impressive. It's just uh, it looks pretty goofy. But uh, I've always been jealous of guys that can grow the big full beard like Taki or. Uh, Martinez or Petro, those guys grow manly beards, and uh, I can't grow that, so that's why I end up doing uh, kind of more of the goofy look. I-, I talked to Alex a little bit this morning, and he was going into more detail than I expected about how he you know, has to trim in certain places and how it works with longer hair, but if he had shorter hair, he would go to different. It's very impressive, the thought that goes into all of this. And McKenna here, he's got experience about it, too. He's, oh, yeah, he's yeah, had some yeah. runs. I've grown a few. I mean, we're talking to Dan Duva here, Nick. I mean, this guy can grow a beard in five minutes. But, I mean, I, I, I only have one more question for you. Are you guys having fun? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can tell, but there's zero fun out there. <laughs> this is just a brutal time of year to be playing hockey. Oh, yeah, it's like being and in a library it, all day it, or something. Yeah, it's hard to be out there in front of all those people screaming and having a blast. So, um, yeah, this is tough, tough, tough sledding out there right now. Nick Holden is our guest. And a couple more questions for Nick. He had a second goal of the playoffs last night, helping the Vegas Golden Knights to a game one win against the Canadians. Nick, what was it like playing against a team that you haven't seen in 513 days? Yeah, I think obviously uh, not playing against a team in that long, you 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 don't know tendency as well, tendencies as well. But um, coaches did a good job getting a, a video package together on uh, their team on price, uh, and so uh, we just made sure that we we focused on 
the details that they had brought up in in the video, but also uh, we wanted to make sure that we were focused uh, on our game because uh, I think if uh, we can continue to bring uh, the game to other teams, uh, that's going to bode well for us. Uh, when we sit back, uh, kind of get on our heels sometimes, uh, obviously that's not uh, how we want to be playing. And so um, when you don't play a team for that long, uh, sometimes it's uh, a little bit of a challenge to, to know tendencies and what they're doing. But like I said, we, we watched video and prepared the best we could, and uh, we were fortunate enough to, to get a win uh, last night in game one. Thinking about the first period last night, a little bit of feeling out process. Montreal was pretty strong from the start. You guys get a goal, you're leading into the second, but it you really started to carry that pace of play, and it felt like Montreal was chasing. They ended up in the box. You know, even though there weren't goals on special teams on the power play, could you feel the tide turning in your direction in terms of momentum as that period wore on? Yeah, I mean, I think Montreal came out, and I don't know if, like, you got to think, they haven't played in front of a crowd uh, all year, and so I'm sure our crowd gave them a little bit of a boost, and uh, being off for the, the layoff they had, they're coming in uh, just jumping, and so... Yeah, that first period, they, they had us on our heels a little bit. And so I thought uh, as the period went on, we started getting our legs and, and getting the puck moving, uh, making good good decisions, good plays. And uh, as the game went on, I thought we got to our game and uh, got our forecheck going, hold on, held on to pucks down low in their zone. And uh, we were able to, to create, obviously, I think early on, and, and this has been something that uh, Flowers done all year, uh, but he made a couple big saves early on. Uh, on them to make sure that they didn't get a goal. And um, obviously when that happens and we can get to our game and start scoring some goals, uh, that's how we want to be playing. One more hockey question for you, Nick. I I remember talking just uh, during the Minnesota series with Ryan Carter, played for Pete DeBoer when he was with the Devils. And he was telling me about how Pete is among the best coaches he's had when it comes to making adjustments, whether between games or within a game, et cetera. You guys trailed the first series one zip. You trailed the second series two zip. Now you got a series lead, and you know Montreal is going to try to adjust a little bit here. Can you tell us what it's like with Pete DeBoer as your coach, handling adjustments, and, and hey, Montreal's you would think, is going to try to bring a stronger performance come game two, if not games three and four, back at Bell Center? Yeah, I mean, I think um, if their game's going to – they're going to probably try and replicate what they did in the first period uh, where they kind of had us on our heels a little bit. Um, but I, I think we did a good job. Pete came in after the period and just said we got to make sure we're cleaning some areas up, make sure we're making good breakouts so we can get clean out of our end and, and kind of get moving forward. And so, um, yeah, he's done a great job um, making adjustments mid-game, whether it's uh, face-off plays or uh, ways that we're kind of moving pucks, but also in between games if he sees a tendency or something that the other team's doing, uh, he, he's great at making adjustments to, to benefit our group. I've been waiting a while to ask you this question, Nick. What does it sound like in the tunnel before you guys take the ice for the game? Um, I guess the, the closest thing you could uh, come to is kind of like a, we're an airplane where just the jets are starting to get a little louder, louder, louder. It's just uh, when you start – making your way through the tunnel out to the to the ice it just the 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 atmosphere the noise the volume just continues to grow until you're on the ice where it's just rocking out there and it's uh 
it's a pretty incredible. Um, like I've said a few times, this is uh, obviously the best time of year to be playing hockey, and uh, our fans are amazing, and, and they bring us an extra extra boost. So uh, it's lots of fun to be playing in the Fortress at this time. Commissioner Gary Bettman was in the booth with Gary Lawless and me right as the game was starting doing an interview, and he asked, how long is this going to be? I want to be in my seat to see the show. Not to see puck drop, to see the show. And you guys don't get to see the show because you guys are in the tunnel, right? But everybody's going uh, just bonkers there. And uh, it was amazing to hear and see last night. And great to see the Knights with Nick Holden on the board for the second straight game. Nick, congrats on that. Congrats on the win. And thanks for spending some time with us today. Absolutely. And thank you guys very much. Nick Holden, Golden Knights defenseman, joining us, the 34-year-old from St. Albert, Alberta, with the Golden Knights now the last couple of seasons. And, boy, what a pickup. You know, he had been with, obviously, Colorado uh, had been then with, uh, in the playoffs opportunity he mentioned there with the Rangers, ended up in Boston for the, uh, the deadline move there and then coming to Vegas. And, boy, what an addition he's been, not only to shore up the blue line, but that personality, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you get a taste of it there in the interview. But uh, if there is a guy who finds himself uh, as the center of attention in, in uh, that, that happiest and, his word, goofiest of ways, <laughs> uh, it's Nick Holden. I've known so many players that have played with him over the years. I never had the chance to, but they all had those same glowing reviews. We'd met in passing a couple of times, but he's somebody who just always has a smile on his face. He's able to find the best out of the situation. Good Alberta boy. Uh, I mean, and what he's done for the team offensively. Look at the back end for the D for the D on the Golden Knights, Dan. Thirty-seven points from the yeah. defenseman on the Golden Knights leads the NHL in the postseason. Nine goals. Yeah. Montreal has one goal from a defenseman in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That is part of the balanced attack of the Golden Knights. Holden's been a huge part of it. Yeah. And by the way, Montreal's without Jeff Petrie. Hurt his hand mm-hmm. game five. Uh, pardon, uh, game three of the previous series. Missed game four. Missed game one of this series. And he's the one guy on the blue line for Montreal who can put up some offense in Petrie in the regular season, 42 points. Huge shot. Second only to Tyler Toffoli in points. And if there's one guy on the blue line for Montreal who can produce offense, that's the guy, and he's unavailable. We don't know if he'll be in for game two, but it sounds like he'll play in the series, it sounds like, but we don't know if it'll be game two or later. It sounds like it, and Petrie is somebody who I never realized shot the puck as hard as he did until I played against him several years ago when I was with Ottawa. And I'm telling you, he blew one off my collarbone that felt like I got hit by a steamroller. And it was a it was a old boy moment because you like when you pre-scout Dan, you know the opposition. Like when you play the caps, you know Carlson, Ovechkin, they're gonna bring it. But I didn't expect it from Petrie. I thought it was coming from Weber. And I got it from Weber, and then I had him coming at me too. And but you're right, Dan. He brings the offense. The only other real option they have offensively, especially on power play, is Gustafson. Uh, somewhat one-dimensional in that way uh, on the power play. So it, it's definitely a glaring difference between the two clubs and the amount of offense that's generated from the back end. Yeah, Gustafson in the playoffs, one power play goal, one power play assist in the regular season, a grand total of 12 points, but he only played half the year. Anyway, so plenty of, of ways to look at that blue line from Montreal. They'd like to get more on the Vegas side. You couldn't possibly ask for more. You talked about those numbers, Mike. Six points just last night. Three goals. Yeah. And the everybody was plus, except for Petrangelo, who might have been the best of everybody. Who had 13 shot attempts. Yeah, right. I mean, he's out there. <laughs> 25 minutes of ice time. Yeah, yeah, yeah bingo. <laughs> but again, thanks to Nick Holden joining us. He was, can you believe it, undrafted. 
and spent his first handful of years, the Blue Jackets organization, made his pro debut in the American League 2008 with the Syracuse Crunch. That's correct. We know and that then pretty made well. And his, made his way up to the NHL. But I, I always come back to the guys who really worked to get there. Mm-hmm. He's now played over 500 NHL games, but he played 295 AHL games. Five full seasons. Yeah. That's a lot of hockey in the Iron League, Dan. That's a lot of miles on the on the iron lung. It's a lot of miles going through the snow up yeah. and down to Binghamton and back. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and you just you learn so much from those experiences, and you savor the moments that you spend in the NHL that much more when you've had to earn it. And you look at his point totals. They 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 built to a crescendo in the minors. That led to his opportunity in the NHL, right? And he's produced at the NHL whenever he's been called upon. He has. And, and it's almost like we forget that he the offensive ability is there for him. We're yeah. seeing it on display now. You know, it's just because of situations this year, did not get to play much in the regular season. Okay? Extenuating circumstances. But this is a guy who has a huge value to the team. Yeah, you look at Holden and White Cloud. Gary Lawless said it on the broadcast last night. For a lot of teams, I mean, that's your number two D pair. And on this team, it's it's sort of like the third and a half pair with Hague and Holden kind of going in and out. White Cloud's been a mainstay, but boy, I'll tell you, it is impressive to see how the Knights have the depth. I mean, Dylan Coglin hasn't played a single playoff game, but like there he is mm-hmm. hanging out if they need him. We've got to step aside. First, a word from Rock Creek Cattle Company, which is a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. It's a 28,000-acre cattle ranch with something for everybody, a world-class golf course, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. The website is rockcreekcattlecompany.com, rockcreekcattlecompany.com to get more information. You're listening to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Live from City National Arena, this is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Here's how Vegas pulled away from the avalanche. Now out in front, Tuck puts it toward the goal, and it's tipped in at the back door. Matthias Yenmark waiting for it at the left post. And the Knights lead 3-1, to one, seven minutes to go, second period. Matthias Yenmark from Alex Tuck. And Zach Whitecloud, that goal at 12.58 of the second period last night. Vegas on its way to a 4-1 victory against Montreal in Game 1 of the Stanley Cup semifinals. Game 2 tomorrow, 6 o'clock Pacific time. The series shifts to Bell Center in Montreal Friday and Sunday, and those games will be an hour earlier, 5 o'clock Pacific. Again, that's Friday and Sunday, Vegas in Montreal, if necessary, back here on Tuesday. They play every other day. So if your calendar has an even day, that means Vegas and Montreal are playing. If it's an odd day, that means Tampa Bay and the Islanders are playing. And so that would include today, 5 o'clock Pacific time, the Lightning hosting the Islanders. New York leads the series one zip. What if it's a leap year? <laughs> what if it's a full moon? What if, there's either all these, <laughs> all these permutations. I, I don't know. But you heard the goal. Matthias Janmark to give Vegas a two-goal lead at that point, right? They had a one-nothing lead, then two-nothing. Caulfield made it a one-goal game, mm-hmm. right? That could have been a turning of the tables. Yep. But less than a minute after Caulfield scored on the power play was that goal from Matias Janmark back in the lineup after missing some games in the previous round, injured in game one. He now has, in the playoffs, four goals, four assists, eight points, 
six of which came in the opening round, leading the Golden Knights. Earlier today, Pete DeBoer was asked about that line, Yanmark, Wah, and Tuck. Here's Pete DeBoer in cut one. Yeah, I mean, the, the few games we've we've had a full lineup where we've had the ability to play them, they, they've looked good most of the time. Um, and it really has created some mismatches for us uh, in the depth of the lineup uh, the team we're playing. So, um, you know, it's nice to, to have enough bodies to be able to, to roll that, uh, that lineup out. There's two ways to look at this, Mike. The individuals of Matthias Janmark, Nicholas Waugh, Alex Tuck. The other way is to look at it as a collection of three players. How do you look at this group that has, with the three of them together, has, as you just heard from Pete DeBoer, been effective and a difference maker, whereas so often the top lines tend to cancel out? There seems not to be an answer for this line. To me, they've they've become a cohesive unit, really. And I look at the speed that Janmark can play with to keep up with Tuck, and Nick Waugh, especially as a natural centerman, feels comfortable there. When the puck's on his blade, when he's hounding on the forecheck, when he's going 200 feet, you can see that he's in a position to succeed, right? And it makes it easy when you can chip pucks to either side and let your teammates skate. And there was a great play last night. I believe it was in the third period. I could be wrong. But Nick Waugh looks up ice, and he sees Tuck in stride at the near blue line. And Tuck is probably 20 feet from the closest Montreal defender. And Tuck flips it, or Watt flips it up and over. He knows it's going to go for an icing, but Tuck's going to beat it. And that's a, that's a savvy play, but it's a play you don't make unless you've played with someone long enough, you trust their speed, and you also know there's going to be support coming from the other side because Yanmark's going just as fast. And it's not just that they're creating and there's mismatches. They're putting points up. They're producing. And they're playing meaningful roles in these games. But how about the physicality that Alex Tuck is bringing, Dan? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, angry Alex Tuck is a good thing. Did you hear his comment the other day? He said, I had anger in my veins when yeah. he had a hit against Colorado the other day. And it was, you know, there was the collision with McCarr. Then he hits McKinnon. And, you know, he, uh, he had something in his veins. He had the red mist going. You know, it just... You get in those mindsets, especially in playoffs, you see things come out of players that you would never expect. You see people rise to the occasion. You see them lay out and block shots. You see things that just don't happen in the regular season. Listen, Alex Tuck's a bear with the puck. You give him it, he'll go down the wing, he'll score, he'll crash the net. Has he been an overly physical player during his career? Not overly. It happens. But, man, midway through that Colorado series, it's like the switch flipped. Yeah. He's been a physical presence. Yeah, he, I mean, he's a big man. He's 6'4", 220. Yeah. He's got a stride like nobody we see on a regular basis. It's not sort of the Connor McDavid levitation, but <laughs> he just gallops. He eats he up ice. He's the fastest Clydesdale I can imagine. <laughs> He's like a mix of a Clydesdale and Jack Eichel in a stride. And he just turned 25 years old. Yeah. And to think that like he's still figuring out what he can be. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee, you look at the contract that he signed a couple years ago, seven-year deal at $4.75 million. I mean, that is – I think already it's a steal. But by 2026 when that deal's up, holy cow. I mean, yes. the way that his trajectory continues to go up and up. But we talk about all that. He makes the pass, right? He's the setup there for Yanmark to send it home at the side of the net on that goal. 
really impressive work from that line. That's why I say that Yanmark, Wah, and Tuck, right now, I mean, it's not a huge sample size, but sometimes it just clicks. Mm-hmm. Yanmark was a missing piece. Not the overwhelming addition at the deadline that we've seen from the Knights in years past, but you don't always need the splash. It was just the right fit, and Yanmark has as many points now eight of them, four goals, four assists, as he had in the entire postseason with Dallas last year, one goal, seven assists. And remember, Yanmark and the Stars got to the cup final. They went the distance before they lost to Tampa Bay. You know as well as I knew, Dan. You need depth and you need the right mixture. And when you put something on paper, when you propose it in the general manager's office, you always go, I hope this works. <laughs> right? You do all your homework you possibly can, but until two players, three players touch the ice together, you just never know. And it's been a great fit. And Yanmark has been somebody throughout his career in Dallas. He's played first through third line. He's played all those. He's played power play. And he goes to Chicago. It elevates his role for the goal scoring a bit. You know, he does have four goals in the, in the postseason, three of which were in one game. But he is more of a playmaker. He's a driver. He, he's a very dependable player. Uh, and, and that's what you really need out of your depth. You need players that you know they're not going to hurt you defensively. That's Matthias Yanmark. That's Nick Waugh. That's the layer that Alex Tuck has added to his game. And then you factor in that Yanmark can skate. And there is always a premium on skating in the NHL. It used to be if you were big, you'd get every chance. Well, you still kind of get that if maybe you're a D or a goalie. But if you can skate, you have an intangible that not everybody has. And even more amazing is that Matthias Yanmark can do that after having experimental surgery on his knee several years ago to get right. him back in the game right he it's missed amazing. a whole year it, it wasn't surgery for like a normal acl mcl thing it was a, a genetic problem where one day he showed up at practice and he couldn't flex his knee i mean i was in dallas following year and we didn't know what to expect out of him yeah they, they weren't sure in. what the return you know the prognosis no. would be and he comes out has a great training camp plays great hockey for them he's by the way i can't beat the guy in two touch <laughs> This is this is the Swedish the guys kicking right? the soccer, soccer ball yeah. around before the games. I mean, Jonathan Marshall and I we played together. We had, we had a big rivalry. I could I could get him occasionally. Yanmark though, no chance. No great ball. He's just a really good athlete. Yeah. Oh oh, no doubt about it. All right, we're gonna step aside. We got a few more things to get to. Take a quick look at the other series, Islanders Tampa. There's some coaching news in New York. And we'll also get you set for Game 2 tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. The Knights host the Canadians in the second of potentially seven, as few as four, between the Knights and the Canadians. First, we'll tell you about the Foley Food and Wine Society. And if there's a society you'd like to be part of, this is it. Bill and Carol Foley created the society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wine, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding travel destinations. I like all of those things. As a member of the society, you'll have access to an entire portfolio of properties all around the globe. You can sign up today at FoleyFoodAndWineSociety.com. With Mike McKenna, I'm Dan Duva. You're listening to Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Left wing try, shot, save, rebound, save, and the loose puck to the left. Another try, sliding stop. The rebound is under Flurry. They stop play. Toffoli trying to reach in behind Mark, but he got it covered. Wow. The Canadians incredulous. How did that not get by Flurry, the Quebec native? We'll never know. That was last night. Mark andre Fleury with an impressive run against the Montreal Canadiens. 
grew up about an hour outside of Montreal. And you know that whenever the Quebec-born players go up against the Habs, there's uh, a little extra there. And Fleury very good in the victory last night. Just a one goal came against him on the power play. Cole Caulfield in his first playoff goal. In addition to the win last night, his 90th career postseason victory. Even bigger news for Fleury today, Mike McKenna. The NHL Fan Choice Awards have been released. And what do you know? Three years in a row, ladies and gentlemen, the VGK's own Mark Andre Fleury wins the save of the year. You trying to take Bruce Cusick's job away from him there? I'm channeling channeling my inner wrestling announcer. (laughs) Uh, Kenny Omega. Okay, but, well, uh, but yeah, <laughs> Mark wins for three the third years year in a row, row and that save, save of the year. Reaching back on the goal line against the Anaheim Ducks. February 11th. Masterful job of keeping his eyes attached to the puck, sealing the ice. What a moment to be in the building for those. Yeah. The save heard around the world last year. This one, this, I mean, every time it happens, you just giggle. There's a, a lot of love for Marc-Andre Fleury out there. There's also love for Teddy Tuck, Alex Tuck's dog. Teddy has won the Fan Choice Award for Best Dog. Oh, that is just an adorable picture. I mean, this picture alone should win the award for Teddy. Oh, and that's, an, that's a coveted award. I, I know. I, I saw Alex this morning, and he, he was very proud. Sure. Let's put it that way. I, I, yeah. I mean, he was excited to talk about you know, the hockey game, the win, the playoff beard, but he had gotten the news that Teddy had won. It's just officially been announced, so congratulations to the Tucks and to Marc-Andre Fleury for the save uh, as well. We've only got a couple of minutes left here, Mike, but we have to wrap it up talking about goaltending. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, Carey Price in the matchup here, and perhaps you could touch on what we've seen in the other series as well. You still have two Vezina finalists remaining in Fleury and Andre Vasilevsky. It's it's fun this time of year. You know the goaltenders have to be among the best when you're in the Final Four. Look at who's left. Carey Price, who the players say is the best goaltender in the NHL. Well, I think the Golden Knights players have something to say about that by the guy manning their nets. But I think you could say the same about Tampa Bay Lightning with Andre Vasilevsky. And I think that the players with the New York Islanders would tell you the same thing about Semyon Varlamov and Ilya Sorokin. And they've been going back and forth. Whereas. With the Golden Knights, you thought maybe it would be, like in the regular season, Flurry Leonard back and forth. Flurry clearly has taken the reins. Uh, the Islanders are actually pulling this off where they're utilizing both. The other three teams are leaning on one goaltend. Yes. Uh, and listen, when somebody gets hot, that's the way it works. And unless there's a reason that you need to change that up, it's tough to go away from that. The level Marc-Andre Fleury's been playing with, he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down, hasn't shown any signs that something else needs to happen. He's been excellent for the club, goaltending across the board. Uh, you'd expect Price to have a little bit better game. I would think in game two he'd like to, but the Golden Knights found cracks in his armor. They found a way to get to the net. It's been six years since he won the Vezina back in 2015. 44 wins that year. Incredible. Uh, Jennings as well. Carey Price now 33, almost 30 floor. Flurry has found a way to turn back the clock. See if Carey Price can do it. Canadians haven't had the postseason success that Flurry had when he was a Penguin or a Golden Knight for that matter. By the way, Gerard Gallant, former Golden Knights head coach, he's got himself a spot, looks like, at Madison Square Garden. New head coach, the New York Rangers. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 6 o'clock, puck drop for the Knights and the Canadians. We'll have the play-by-play here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Thanks to Dakota Miller, George Lopez. For Mike McKenna, I'm Dan Duba saying so long. On we go.